0: You're not going to get, like, Spice Girl, whatever, Spice this or something. Baby Spice, Sporty Spice. <laughs> <laughs> That's man, funny. is that where, like, the whole ASAP idea came from? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> a- no, not, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome everybody to The End Podcast and we are continuing with our creator interviews. Let's just pretend we're on schedule, let's just have a version of the future where this is still February and with me always, as always, is Tim, my co-host. How are you today, Tim?
0: Couldn't be better. Nice to see you, Matt. Nice to chat. Uh, very looking forward to our conversation today.
1: So am I. So... I won't delay any further. Today we have Mike Del Mundo with me, with us. And I can't tell you how excited this makes me. He is my favourite artist. And as you know, when we've spoken to other creators, we always start off by saying, it must be a terrible thing to be told how great you are non-stop and to be continuously invited onto podcasts. Well, that isn't the one that we're going to do, but it is today because there's no point (laughs) even trying to pretend we aren't with the world's greatest. So Mike, how are you? And thank you very much for uh, being with us today.
0: Just waking up, <laughs> having my coffee, ready to go. But yeah, good. it's the weekend, man. So.
1: And I think that's an important question as well, after the last few years, is just to check in with people and to ask them, like, how are you? Because it's yeah. um, it has been very. a strain. I mean, how have you found things? I, I'm guessing creators are generally working remotely these days anyway, like it's been a long while since the bullpens in, in the New York Marvel offices.
0: It's funny you said that's really important, man. It's really important to check up on people. I don't, I, I'm not good at that. I mean, I don't know how good artists are at that because we're just down here in the basement and all we're doing is drawing and drawing and just kind of thinking and hoping that everybody else is doing fine. And um, especially during this whole pandemic thing, um, you realize that you should definitely check up on people. I mean, I've gone through, we've got through this two years of the whole, and um well not me myself but like friends and then you just pop in once in a while or you have a friend that will call and be like oh hey this happened and this happened i'm like oh crap and like i totally did not know that happened like you know what i mean so
1: yeah
0: you you know you ha- you have to start putting it in your head that things could be fine but you know just check up on people and just in case because for the most part i think for me i i always thought you know everyone's gonna be doing a what- okay and um that's just me being me me being an idiot and now realizing now it's like yeah you know just give him a call give him a text even once in a while yeah so i put it in my head to consciously do that you know
1: And <laughs> good habits that have been picked up like just for example this now if someone was to have suggested the video call two and a half years ago for work I would just have been absolutely scared to death I wouldn't have been able to go through it and now I'm just casually speaking to Jerry Duggan Mike Del Mundo and Colin Bunn on a weekly basis
0: <laughs> yeah I mean it's, it's actually I used to be like you said I used to I mean not only the start of this whole Zoom thing what started during the yeah, yeah, yeah. beginning of COVID so like I was terrified I was like oh my how like I just don't feel weird it just feels weird and then you get used to it and then you realize this is actually kind of better than uh, being on the phone with somebody yeah yeah like I still do phone stuff and I find that like there's somewhat of a delay sometimes based Mm -hmm. on where people are and then you feel like you're cutting people off this and that so the zoom's good I mean that happens in Zoom too, but you gotta have like six people on that meeting, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think we've all kind of been trained um, after a while to figure out how to kind of interrupt or how to like talk or when to talk um, during <laughs> Zoom. I remember at the start, it'd be like, oh shit, I'm cutting this <laughs> off 15 times. But now you, I guess, a lot of people have figured out the timing, you know?
1: it's like on text when you when you're trying to put together like this masterpiece of of how are you what have you been up to and before you've even got a chance to finish you can see their dots coming up and you're like dude you can see i'm trying to write to you here just give me a chance to finish
0: (laughs) yeah like sometimes i'm just like how did my text already get there like this guy has already responded like this responded in like a second and i'm I'm like, and I realized that I'm just being like a caveman and a lot of people just have like I figured out like being tech savvy like you know like just putting down one letter and it'll just spell what you need to say and then it's like yeah, send yeah. send away right I'm not like that I'm just like kind of like typing <laughs> using two thumbs kind of thing you know make fire <laughs> make <Yeah>. fire <laughs> in, in the world of Texting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, funny. well,
1: Tim will tell you how poor mine are, because I, I literally have to rewrite some of them sometimes, because i just whip the thumbs out, send it, and then it's like completely, you can't even read it. It's, they're absolutely <laughs> atrocious. Oh,
0: I can confirm that. It's kind of funny, like, on the interrupting on Zoom thing, you know, we started the show during, I think, like, the very beginning of the pandemic, and we used to have, like, a yeah. bunch of people, and it be like mayhem, people talking over each other for, like, an hour straight. And it's so true. Like, over time, you do get a sense of how to talk to people. It, and it is a little different than in person, but it, it kind of mimics it in a nice way. Once you get the timing down, it's it's good. I, I don't think I would go back. I'm just like, yo, I got myself on, like, you know, like the best angle possible, looking down. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> as good as I can look, you know, like, I can constantly look at myself and see if I'm, like, <laughs> in my nose. You know what I mean? Like, doing something weird.
1: You're looking like, good, though, mate. Looking Jack the Biscuit. I love that top. Is yeah. it is it as bright in person as it is on screen?
0: No, it's actually more of like a toned-down mustard look.
1: Different. I like it
0: very yeah, much. My, my screen is... It's got this greenish tone to it, and that's not a good representation <laughs> of what my me looks like. It's a bit more warmer, yeah.
1: So you're basically saying you're in the Matrix. You've got that green tint.
0: Yeah, I don't know how to figure it out. Like, I even... My, my, <laughs> My lights are like warm, so I think it might be just. You guys, you guys look good though. Like, you, you probably have like some sort of light thing happening. Oh, probably Matt does. I'm just in a basement room.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is, um, because as, as we were speaking just before, we started recording and we are recording. Thank goodness. (laughs) 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 It doesn't always happen, trust me. So with the pandemic, I think for it gave writers like a really good opportunity to get in front of um, like maybe big two titles, maybe stuff that we're doing for people like Image, and then really sort of get the ideas churning. So they almost have this uh, back catalogue, in well not back catalogue, this storage of potential stories to go through. But it's very different for an artist because you can't speculatively draw future comics that you don't necessarily know you'll be working on yet. Or if I completely misinterpreted how that worked did you find that you're able to get ahead on anything or was it just simply waiting for the next um gig to come along
0: well for me like that's how it's been um just i'd be on well when i was at marvel i'd be doing a you know like a 12 issue comic and then that thing would end and then if you're if you're under contract you know that there's going to be another job for you right um it's different now like i'm not under contract and i'm just going uh job by job but it's mainly like crazy because you'd be on a big job or you you're just swamped with deadlines and then you get hit up by somebody and be like yo we want you know i really want you to work on this book with me and it's someone you really really want to work with and it's kind of like well i really can't man like it's like hit me up um in six months i should be good and then six months happens then they hit you up and you're like I'm still not good because I'm still trying to catch up to others, you know? So that's how artists are like, and for me, um, I can't speak for every artist, but I'm not that I'm bad with time, but when I say hit me up in six months, it would probably be like hit me up in eight months because yeah. I can't time that kind of stuff. Right. And then a lot, and then there's small things that would come, come in that mix between that time. Like sometimes it'd be like a cover here and there that it, That you know, I'm like, I can't turn down. I really want to do it. So I'll bring that in the mix. So um, I guess the best thing to to do as an artist is to get a manager to kind of like, I mean, like that's like the best possible scenario to schedule your stuff because a lot of times you need somebody to to come up there and be like, listen, like you can't take this because (laughs) like you're gonna, you're just, you're not gonna have anything for yourself. You're not gonna have weekends off. You're not gonna have time with your kids so I've gotten better at that. Like I've gotten better at it. And I think it's because I'm not on, on, on a contract. Cause when you're on contract, yeah. you're just like pummeling through stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you're in, you have no choice. And especially when you're doing comic pages, like interior work
1: that yeah, just
0: takes yeah. up all of your time. So now it's like, I have this ability to kind of sit down and really, um, think of what I want to do and I think that's comes with like for about a decade now and being like yeah, I don't need to take this and that but actually the last thing I did for Marvel there was that was the big thing like the Thor stuff and then I did um a one-shot with Jeff Lemire Immortal Hulk yeah yes. I did a one-shot with, with Jeff Lemire for the Immortal Hulk I was like looking at it yesterday I'm like oh crap like yes this was the last one and then from there um yeah just been on my own like uh just going job here job there different jobs been great
1: man it's amazing to think that you've been in um at the front of my mind since maybe 2015 the start of all new or different when i had weird world never heard of it before and it's the way, the way I was always buying more than I could ever possibly read, and I think when I went into my local comic shop and they they said, "Well, what do you, what do you like?" I was like, "Marvel." They went, "Okay, we can do that." So every month I was like picking up eighty or ninety. It was it was crazy. It was irresponsible, is what it was. And so I didn't get round to Weird World until it would, had actually finished, and I was just flicking through it, and I was like, "This is fucking crazy. This is like nothing I have." ever seen before it's just it felt so like almost like decadent the the amount of time that every single panel must have taken it's almost like every panel was a cover i thought right we need to see what um what this guy mike del mundo has done and it was like there was Electra and then obviously there was the avengers bit that came afterwards there was some thor but you haven't actually done too many like interiors at all which is hugely yeah. disappointing for me obviously but i mean
0: <laughs> like i feel like now like I've, i i i like what i'm doing especially like kind of with the three worlds three worlds three moon stuff i'm just like excited oh. to do more interior art yeah um especially with the stories that we're doing too it's like more sci-fi based yeah. um, so it'd be a lot of cool stuff and i mean like i ha- didn't do a lot of interior work but i think it when i look back at it i'm like i guess it's a good thing because i got a lot of cover work in like i oh, yeah. i kind of like i was able to kind of get a mass amount of covers in my you know my artillery and also with the interior work i was doing it all on my own so it was ooh, that was a lot of work man so that's that takes up a lot of a time. Like if you're just doing pencils, you're able to kind of like work through it. But when you're doing the pencils, inks and colors, it like it's it's already super hard to do like comic art in general, like just yeah, doing yeah. one job, right? When you're doing the whole job, it just piles on and you're just like I need a break, man. So the whole 12 issue a month thing for me was that never happened. Like even with Electra, it was probably yeah, like yeah. a 10 issue a month. Uh not 12 issue a month 12 issue a year for electro yeah. is probably like a 10 issue a year and i was playing catch up just because of the amount of work so.
1: i heard the really interesting anecdote about uh, jack kirby's art he would do the pencils and as you said he had uh, an inker do it and this inker was like what are you doing man this is just for kids so the first thing he'd do before he started inking was just like all the background buildings he just rubbed them out so they were just light outlines <laughs> <laughs> or like take take armor or like like weaponry off characters and they go right there we go and apparently because it was such a like, like a boom 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 get it to print next month let's get the next one Jack Kirby never saw any of his art because he was just like that one's done on to the next one and apparently it took him like five or six years to actually open one up and he was absolutely aghast oh. <laughs> so it's probably just as well that you are doing it all yourself
0: oh man five years dude oh man that would take me like a month I'd just be like let me see what you did like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm such a control freak that I'm just like I'd probably be like like checking up all the time I think I do cut, tend to be annoying when it comes to getting things out like getting the you know getting the issue out even with this three rows three moon stuff I'm, I'm just like yo can you send me a pdf can you I just want to make sure everything's in in the right spots and that because yeah, yeah. I, I also do I am also kind of like at fault with that because I will I will get paid because I'm doing everything from like filing the color. I have that kind of control to kind of send everything in at the last day, you know, the last day when it goes to print or something, right? And then I'll make yeah. revisions like, oh shoot, I want to change this, so I'll do this revision. I'll hit them up and be like, can can we can we swap this with the, with a new file? And then when that happens, I'm all get going paranoid because I'm like, I want to make sure that like the old file doesn't go to print. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of
0: times the old file will go to print. So I'm just like, and that's all on me. So I'm always constantly annoying the editors like, I want to make sure that like, you know, we have the right file because I don't want to have like anything that doesn't I, I I don't like represent me. Right. But yeah, yeah, that's how I am. I'm pretty um a, a bit of a control freak when it comes to like what goes out in print. I'm always yeah. like thinking like, this stuff's going to be permanent. It's going to, it's going to be there forever. I got to, you know, thing about the three worlds to new stuff now that we're doing is that it's a lot of online stuff and it's a process that's showing people our process. So the mistakes that we do, the things that will change in the future, everyone's going to see that, right? Everyone sees that like, Oh, this character might change because it's all a process. You'll see, you're seeing the building blocks right, right then and there and so even with the comic pages you know um you'll you'll probably see something online and be like hey this looks like looks like something different like the print uh part of it looks different so we're, the cool thing about three rows three moon stuff is like we're, we're able to kind of edit you know like if we put yeah, yeah. on the page me and mike if if there's something we can make it better we we have that ability to add that in yeah, I'm going to start talking. <laughs> I
1: don't, don't, oh, no, don't do that. That would be terrible. I mean, I can speak to Tim whenever I want. Tim's lovely, but he's not my favourite artist. So we'll get that idea out of your head immediately. <laughs> I think I, I saw something you did on Instagram very similar to that. It was for a low key cover for um, when you were uh, doing the internals before. It's the best mat of all, it's post production mat. And yes, in the edit, I realised I dropped a bollock. The issue I was talking about is indeed Doctor Strange from 2015, and it's Three Fat Ladies, issue 383. So let's hope the rest of this doesn't continue to bomb and is indeed the bomb. Enjoy. And to see your method, it's kind of like there was no. I thought, what was it? You were changing what was in his hand. It may have been like an axe to a sword, or a sword to an axe. And you were just constantly painting over and painting over and painting over. Obviously digitally, but it was. And it was almost like um, a sort of not like scribble because that makes it sound. Um, well, it's disingenuous, but like there was like very broad strokes getting the colours, and then you didn't like how it looked, and then you literally just drew straight over it, in, and just started again. Like, that was, that was crazy to see. Because I know your style is obviously a lot more fluid, a lot more dramatic. Even um, sort of static scenes have, like, a sense of movement because there's such yeah. a flow through the way that you draw. Yeah. But I always thought there would still be some kind of pencil, blue line framing to go, but it's just complete... It looked completely instinctive.
0: Crazy talking about that stuff, because, like, my process is different now. Like,
1: I, I definitely
0: go. Will- pretty tight on on my inks and my pencils and then the color process is even different a bit too it's i think i've tended to i've i've done less rendering i've kind of just like i think the confidence has come in and i'm just like falling in love with uh more like a more simplistic style it's funny because i'll show like you know artist friends like what it is like i'm yeah i'm going more simple and they're just like that's simple that's still pretty rendered and i'm like oh shit
1: I think it's almost come full circle to the way that you drew Electra, where it was, there was very much distinct lines. There's one scene where they I think they're in a helicopter and they're about to jump out of a helicopter. And because that's more mechanical, which is yeah. a really good juxtaposition to, to how you were drawing at the time.
0: I, I would say I've gone like past it. Because even Electra mm. was pretty, my intentions were pretty painterly. So I was still trying to, like, mimic, like, doing some sort of painted style for a lecture. That might be, like, an influence of, like, Senkevich, you know?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
0: And then, it just gradually, slowly got, I got more comfortable to doing more traditional comic art, and I, like, it's It's something I, like, I'm falling in love with now. And it's a lot easier. <laughs> just because, like, you got the backbone for characters. Like, there's, like, an actual structure to them. And, um... It's just a lot easier to color as well because you have that line art on the top and you can kind of play with it. But the yeah. cool thing is now is that I can do both. Like I can kind of go back and forth, which I do in a lot of my books. Like I have no rules on in the comics I make. So like if I decide to, you know, do something that's has less line art, um, that has like a less line form on it and just, just go wild, I'll do that on a panel just yeah, yeah, instinct yeah. and feeling like if it tells the story well i'll just do that or if i'm bored i'm just like I, I i tend to be bored a lot too so like you know i'm like if i don't feel good about a piece of art i'm gonna try something new with it yeah yeah even with the marvel stuff it's worked and yeah man so <clears throat> i th- i got lost with the question but yeah
1: Oh no, it's fine. It's just the inspiration for for a talking point. It doesn't. It, I'm not really bothered if we have distinct answers. Otherwise, yeah. it would just be a questionnaire. <laughs> yeah. But with uh, it's it's really funny because on one of our first podcasts, it was almost like we decided that it was how did we used to say uh, Sinkavich? How do Sinkavich? Oh. Didn't we? Something like that. <laughs> but we sort of cobbled it together <laughs> between <laughs> I'm us. Sure
0: Names out loud. You're always reading them. So I yeah exactly. To- exactly exactly like, I, like there's i used to say sink of witch,
1: yeah right? yeah that's what we then, were saying
0: but then there were, i think he actually put in like brackets like how to say it oh, really oh, like that like sink or sink or sink yeah. so then yeah that's then i started like hopefully saying it properly but i'm mm-hmm. sure i'm bastardizing it still
1: How good was he, though, Like in in his day? Because I read the Demon Bear saga um, when the film came out for the New Mutants film. And up to that point, it looked like... That title looked like 1960s Fantastic Four, 1960s Spider-Man. And then all of a sudden, you've got this level of detail. It wasn't... Like a standard iteration, it was just chasms apart. Like the expressiveness, the way that he drew motion, the, the set pieces, action sequences, it blew my mind how someone could come in and just completely change the game. And I, I think, in a way, that it's almost taken until now with guys like you, like Christian Ward, like Rod Reese, to really like comics has taken that long to catch up with yeah. what he was doing at yeah, that I time.
0: Mean- there's a ton of people out there for sure. Um, maybe it's like a digital era too, you mm-hmm. know, like it's allowed us to, to produce comics in that time. Cause when you look at like Elektra and weird world, it looks like a lot of, like it took a lot of time, which it did, but there's no way I would have been able to do that traditionally in the amount of time that it was, that it needed to come out. Like we we're still yeah. doing one. Month- it was still a monthly book. So those books were taking like three, four weeks at the most to finish up. Well, it was still a lot of rushing and-
1: Mm. um, It's crazy to look at the amount of detail that you put into it. And I think it's with some irony that when you think of the the least credited or spoken about element of producing a comic, it's usually the the letterers. like, there's there's, um, probably unfortunately no superstar letterers. They're the ones that don't really get spoken about. However, you can whip through a comic and you just look at the lettering, so there 's with like some irony that the least prestigious is also the the most most important in terms of the storytelling that you can just read that i mean obviously, you could just look at the art as well, get the same sense of what 's going on, but with yours it's ridiculous, like each comic feels like it should be on a coffee table with with a flat bound spine, and you you almost feel guilty turning the page because it's taken so long to do each panel, and yet there we go. I've read the the speech bubbles, and off we go to the next one. Like, do you ever feel like slightly cheated that people people should have these framed and adored like over a mantelpiece, and people queue up and pay to see them? Like, in, oh, it's called a museum, isn't it? That's what I'm talking about. It already you know, I
0: exists. <laughs> I, never, I never think about it like that. For some reason, like I don't visualize like a I don't visualize a reader looking through it for like a split second and then that's it. If I did, I'd, I'd be so depressed, man. But...
1: Um, oh, shit. Uh, I
0: don't know. Honest, what have I done? To be honest, if that's something that I was... If that's something I was worried about, then my art would look, wouldn't look that way, right? Yeah, if I yeah, was constantly yeah. trying to do the art to hopefully please the reader's eyes for each page, right? Uh, it's really just you know it's from for me and it's like i want to make sure i do like great art it it doesn't to me it doesn't matter how a reader looks at it um it's permanent you could always go back to it and like yeah yeah. because that's that's how you read comics right you're not gonna pause for a bit and just stare i mean you would if it looks amazing right but for (laughs) the most part you're not gonna look go look at a um a conversation like you know like those like talking heads pages Yeah, yeah, yeah and st- it's stay there for a bit right but those yeah, talking yes. heads pages like those are my favorite pages like i actually like doing talking heads and i and recently like, it's, it's funny you say that because recently i was just like yeah no one's gonna no one's gonna like look at this and even um dissect it you know like no one cares about the talking head pages i'm like yeah <laughs> in my head i'm like i gotta, gotta move on <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's quite funny i think who is the guy that did um Daniel Warren Johnson didn't draw extremity did he he had a guy on it on it with him doing the Mike Mike Spicer is it Spicer 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 and i remember um i only know him as the extremity artist on a podcast and he said that book nearly killed killed him he said that i will never pay that much attention to every single panel because he said he wasn't even able to sleep like even when he was sleeping he was worried about getting the page count out And he said he made a conscious decision after Extremity Volume 1 to choose one panel on each page that gets all the detail and then the rest of them are just like, just get them done, get them out. But it doesn't sound to me like that's something that you would even, you couldn't do even if you wanted to.
0: Well, it depends, right? Like if you have like a tight deadline, like no matter what, it's got to go out. So you're you're going to do your best to get it out and make it as good as possible as yeah, you would yeah. do. And sometimes that happens with, sometimes you just gotta cut corners. You gotta like create shortcuts for yourself. And sometimes those shortcuts look amazing, better than what you would you would have done if you had all the time in the world. Because if you had all the time in the world, you're gonna do it exactly what's in your head. It'd probably be over-rendered or probably look exactly like what that, like just say you're drawing a face. If you had all the time in the world, you're gonna draw a perfect face. Yeah. You don't have all the time in the world. You might shade the face, maybe black a few things out, do this, do that quick, a few seconds and it looks great. Mm. It looks like a great silhouette, you know what I mean? Like a, like a nice, something that looked like you didn't spend so much time on, but it just it's mm. so nice and simple. So that's a great thing about cutting. Co- that's a great thing about comics is it creates styles. It creates mm. ideas on how to uh, visualize something without doing it quite literally. You know Yeah, 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 and that's where you get all the cool styles. Like whether you're like using shapes to make to tell the story, like super simple shapes. You know, like the whole McFarland thing, like when in doubt, black it out, kind of. <laughs> yeah. but, but when you black something out, like and and, and you make it a silhouette, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Like as mm-hmm. much as that's people so would be like, yo, yeah. you didn't spend that much time on it, or you didn't put all that <laughs> structure and anatomy in it. When you black something out, when the reader looks at it, they see. You're they're able to kind of put the pieces together themselves, yeah. you know? That's great.
1: Yeah. I'm guessing that was uh, more so the case with doing tie ins toward the rounds as well, because that has got to be chronologically dependent on so many other like tie ins. Uh, and...
0: It was okay. I mean, every, uh, <laughs> every book is crazy pressure. Yeah. So what you're
1: how... saying is working for Marvel.
0: That's to be <laughs> honest, it's not just working for Marvel, it's just the comic industry. Like, it's yeah. just like, that's just how it is. It's uh, when you get on a book, it's crazy pressure and it goes both ways. Like, the com- it's crazy pressure from the company, but then a lot, a lot of us put a lot of pressure on ourselves, yeah. right? Because we're artists and we're insecure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're just that, so that we put all that pressure on ourselves. And we also procrastinate a lot. So <laughs> when we do have a lot of time, uh, we don't use that time uh, properly, right? And then we actually work on necessities. So mm-hmm. when we have a lot of time, we were like, "Yeah, we're good." And then when the when you know that that time dwindles, that's when we start working. Like, oh shit, I gotta get this done. Well, <laughs> so that's that's just the comics industry, or just comics as a whole. You know what I mean? I've gotten better. Actually, I've like been pretty good, pretty disciplined. Like having that routine, waking up every day and getting, putting in my time, yeah. but. Um, so I've been good. I, I guess I got older. I don't know, <laughs> but for the most part, yeah. When you when when you have that time where it's like, man, I need another extra three days for this, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I take that three days. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, i like, all right. I'm gonna go to the mall. I'm gonna go to the beach. I'm gonna go to the beach today,
1: See, and then and then I'll work on world, you know? But it's like with lockdown. Like lockdown one was like perversely quite good fun. It was beautiful weather, neighbours speaking to each other, people actually doing exercise, walking. It was fantastic. Lockdown two started and you start to think, well, I probably could have learned to play that guitar that's basically ornamental. I could have learned German, maybe a little bit of French or Spanish in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> End of lockdown two. Well, that wasn't as much fun as lockdown one. And I'm just depressed about all the time that I'm wasting. Lockdown <laughs> three happens still can't still can't play guitar still can't speak any <laughs> languages <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was kind of like not secretly hoping for a lockdown four because lockdown four is the one that I was gonna crush yeah
0: yeah I mean yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know for me lockdown was um when it first started it was it was actually like it put me in perspective of everything mm. and actually because it slow I think it slowed everybody down even in the comic industry it slowed down right? things got locked down as well and i think it slowed us down for the good in a way like kind of realized like that we were running on steam yeah. I, for myself i think i was running on steam and did not even realize like they they had that word burnout like when yeah. artists is burned out you don't realize you don't know if you're burned out in com in comics because you're you still got to get things done right so you're constantly working and working not knowing that you're burnt out and you think you're fine and then this lockdown hits and you're just like it slows you down and you're just kind of like oh this is what it feels like to like Mm. not work like seven days a week you know that kind of thing so put you put me in perspective and into like how i should be kind of doing comics you know yeah yeah and what i was doing was probably not healthy (laughs) you know like
1: (laughs) and also it's the easiest way to stop enjoying something that started as something that you loved as opposed to the thing that pays your bills, pays the mortgage, puts petrol in the car, gas for American. I
0: I think after a while like it it, it does take a toll on you like definitely I I believe that you you know when you first start in comics you do have to put in that grind you do have to work because it makes Mm. you a better artist I don't know any other art form that'll make you a better artist like I, someone could argue about that but it's it's boot camp man it's art boot camp you're going in there and you're 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 getting paid to practice basically on your craft right because you're drawing like a million heads a million characters every day um you're doing what that's uh 22 2022 20, uh pages a month and then you do the math for a year so that's like a ton of drawing and I don't know any other art form um visual art form that forces you to do that so well I can think
1: of maybe a physical visual art form which I think this is going to be the best segue ever because breakdancing dancing is a visual <laughs> art but I think in that as well that um that's probably a great founding for working in comics. Cause it's basically, you get it wrong, you get it wrong, you get it wrong, you keep practicing and then you're good at it. It's learning how to yeah. fail.
0: Are you a b-boy or something?
1: <laughs> I mean, I did have a basement at one point and I put some cardboard down and then I hurt my knee. And then I realized that actually it's probably not for me.
0: <laughs> okay. A lot of people think it's like, it is very like similar, very similar to the comics in so many ways right like you got like yeah, yeah. like the hip-hop culture is like that it's like very similar yeah, but we yeah. can talk about b-boying is you know you got a crew like the x-men yeah. you know and each person has like you know an aka nickname like yeah, yeah.
1: The deadly, mike. <laughs> deadly
0: mike which i've kept um yeah it's funny because people will say it and i'm like oh man it, it, it sounds it sounds weird outside of the hip-hop industry <laughs> You know like, just call me Mike? When, when, the homies, when the homies call me that I'm like, it's just a normal name, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then coming from an editor or something, you're just like, oh man, it's it's Mike Del Mundo in a comic world. But yeah. I like that I, I, I wanted to keep that name because um b-boying is like my roots and it's in my blood. Mm. And that's what's actually uh, it gave me like everything I needed to kind of survive in any other realm. So when we're talking about comics and how much of a boot camp it is and the grind,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: that started with b-boying. Like b-boying yeah. was the first grind. So everything and everything I do in my life, um, I always look back at how it was from yeah. we breakdancing and stuff like that, because that was a lot of work. You know what I mean? Like when we grew up as people, yeah. this was in the 90s. Um, there was nothing man there's no youtubes There's like none of that yeah. stuff so we were we were doing our best to learn how to be these dancers that we don't mm. know anything about we didn't even know the culture i didn't know the culture so we were constantly feeding ourselves with whatever information we could from like hip-hop videos like rap videos whatever yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: you saw of like a breaker doing like a windmill or something we would take that we would on vhs I was about to say that
1: there yeah, was always VHSs being passed around school, or you go to your friend's house. You ha- had, um, and this is the crazy thing, right? I reckon we're probably about the same age. Like turned forty last year, so I think we're growing. Exactly
0: the same age, yeah. yeah, so there you go, eighty-one baby,
1: right? Yeah, so we have we have so much in common. Like I actually feel right. this being a fledgling friendship. <laughs> but when we were growing up, you had you had break dancing, skateboarding everybody tried karate and at the time they were all just seeing this <laughs>
0: not me man not me but, like, it's I-, over. It's over. <laughs> I wanted to try karate i, I yeah. begged my dad to try karate. my dad took karate like he really he- there's pictures of him breaking bricks and fly kicking and all that yeah but yeah i i i, I guess being um i don't know first immigrant or something of canada is just yeah kind of like a-, a bit of and then I guess, you know, saving money and this and that, like, I wasn't, yeah. that wasn't an option, mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted to do karate, man. So my dad was like, I'll teach you, I'll teach you myself. And <laughs> I was like, I guess, all right, cool, we'll do it. And then yeah, you can't learn off your dad, man. You like, he can't leave anything off Not- your dad i can't call you ma- i'm not calling you master man
1: I'm- <laughs> <laughs> but this funny thing is is even at the time they were seen as seen as fads they were seen as almost like delinquent sort of subcultures especially with the break dancing and skateboarding and now yeah. all three of them are olympic sports how crazy is
0: that yeah it's super crazy man like i i yeah it's 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 it's, it's really crazy and i am just interested to see how it goes because yeah. it, it, I guess this, like they they tried to skate. Um, this is the first the first year, right? That,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, like the winter sports are doing well, like snowboarding and stuff mm. like that. So I'm very interested to see how B-boying is going to be. Because for me, like growing up in, like I said, like VHS slow motioning VHS tape, <laughs> getting that, you know, like you know that slow motion is like. It's 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 not the real. Emotion. It's kind of like yeah, you know, like right, and then you have like all like the VHS dithers, like the you know
1: yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
0: So I can't believe I, I can't believe we've been like that's how we learned. But you go from there, and just the the street aspect of it, going to going to jams, going to cyphers, and our. Intentions were different back then, right? Mm. We were all bragging rights. It was all like there's no money involved. It was like all bragging rights. You bring your crew, uh-huh. you battle, you're like the illest. Like that's all we yeah, yeah, wanted yeah. to be. And then now it's um now it's different because like now it's now it's going for gold. Like your goals are different.
1: Yeah. It's sponsorship. You know, uh,
0: sponsorship gold, money moneys in money in a yeah. situation right? I mean so. look
1: at that Stephanie Buffani the uh, she didn't she didn't even um, win um, a medal at the Olympics a skateboarder well the the young Brazilian lady did but her Instagram is just absolutely blown up the sponsorships are absolutely blown up yeah like, it, it's it's legit I mean how, does that take the shine off it for you a little bit or is it kind of just do you think that you can still have comfort in the nostalgia of you we're in that sort of golden age for it
0: um it doesn't take the shot off for me like i'm pretty i'm pretty i could see how things have to evolve and stuff like that oh, yeah, yeah. but there is like a bit like it's just weird not being in the beginning because i wasn't in the beginning like like you know break breaking came from like you know eighties, right like and yeah, yeah. and so on like beat street and like Wildestown and stuff like that but we still grew up in the era of there is no there's no B-boy's classes, B-boy's yeah, school. Yeah. Um, I, I think the enjoyment is different. Like our enjoyment was like, yo, there's these three crazy, like, and we we're from Toronto, so we were even far from getting any sort of access to anything, right? So we would get, like, we would get word, like, oh, yo, there's these three, I swear to God, there's, like, there's these three, uh, there's this place downtown toronto in a seedy shopping mall yeah um where they sell like wu-tang fangs mixtapes and beaties like smoking bds and stuff in that place there's a dude that's bootlegging e-boy summit 3 which is like a big event in la right. radio yeah. on 2 which is another big event in la and i was and then there, and that was the only access we had to like a two-hour tape full of d-boy before that it was just like watching like beach street you know what i mean or yeah. watching like uh lords of the underground chief rock and seeing crazy legs do like you know whatever you can find of him do right yeah so we we had like i don't know i must have been like 10 11 12 going taking bus trips and seedy places and 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 finding like this holy grail so like back then it was more like this discovery of this holy grail, like like there's no access. Yeah. And it was like, kind of like the Goonies, man. Like you have to go there, you meet the CD guy. The guy's <laughs> like, he has this tiny TV showing it, showing it on the TV. And literally the dude's like, come back in an hour. He's gonna go upstairs and bootleg it for us. On a <laughs> VHS, he comes back, he's got it all printed with like a new like Xerox. You know, cover and this and that. Yeah, yeah. And we take it in, man. Like, that's the holy grail. And, like, the excitement of that is like, it's like euphoria, dude. Like, like finding that shit. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what it's like now because, you know, to watch these things, you just click on YouTube and it's like, boom, this is how you do a, a windmill. This is how you do um, six steps. This is how you do your swipes and blah, blah, blah. And you learn that shit quick because you have that step by step process we the trial and error that we went through Mm. was insane right so painful
1: as well from what i remember (laughs) in my short-lived attempt
0: but i mean it's evolution because i can't say much i can't dog anything that for me that was like a golden era of like for my for me and like i cherished those times because i did you do uh um you just cherish you don't take it for granted Yeah, Um, yeah But I can't say it because, like, in comics, I had the ability to learn from a studio. And, you know, I wasn't trying to figure it out on my own. I mean, we were trying to figure it out on our own, but at least there is something. There is, like, something more, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, you know, I wasn't like coming from an era where, like, you literally had a pencil, like, you're just trying to figure it out, right? Yeah. i'd be i'd be a hypocrite to be like nah i'm not i'm not down with the the b-boy going to the olympics and stuff like that because that's you know when i started doing comics i was kind of in the middle of that right of like there's already enough learning tools there for me to go close right
1: But everybody sort of starts off with that pencil. I mean, like every artist. I mean, me and Tim are artists of a sort. I mean, we all drew stuff when we were three years old and four years old. So you sort of do have that element of it, but it's just that's that's just how everybody learns to draw. Of course, people like me and Tim stopped drawing probably at the age of of about 12 because we aren't much good. (laughs) Are you any good at drawing, Tim?
0: Uh, No, but I'm very good at drawing uh, drawing Garfield. That was my... (laughs) Excellent. So, so a, uh, how old are you <laughs> i'm born in 77 okay yeah because like there's oh like when someone says um i was really good at drawing beetlejuice or the ninja what we'll just say beetlejuice or yeah like the ninja turtle you know, it's yeah. kind of pinpoint the age right like when i yeah, when yeah. i hear people like oh yeah beetlejuice was my like i was so good at drawing beetlejuice i was like you're 40. <laughs> like, <laughs> there, you know? just out of, i've got to ask this
1: because um maybe i like i get got the impression that like you're legit and also i've searched for you on youtube and i think i found a couple of clips at least of a deadly mic in toronto doing yeah. some pretty special groundwork did you ever come across another canadian breakdancer of a similar age called john campier did that name ever come up? Did you ever encounter a man called John Campier? How old would he be? About 45? 40? I'm Early 40s, sure. isn't he? It's about
0: our age. I, I, I would need to know, like, the the, the, the B-boy name. We didn't know each oh. other with our first names, man. Duh. Like, well, do you know, he's... know uh, Brian um, Bullocks or something or whatever? It's like... <laughs> like no, but I know, uh, you know... <laughs>
1: Because he has a YouTube channel, a really, really successful one. He talks about, like, films and, um, like, the blockbuster films and all the comic films and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, because he was – um, I think he was from Toronto as well. But he says that the, the, there are videos that exist of him, but, like, he will never, ever let them see the light of day. And I just thought it would have been this, like, beautiful perversion if you had have encountered a man uh, like this Italian-Canadian – man and i would have loved it even more if he was horrible
0: <laughs> i'm sure uh i'm sure if he was in the b-boy community he's a pretty small community we Yeah, have, we, we, we 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 all knew well from each other but oh. like yeah it was like you know him from the face or like yeah, i was gonna say have a, have a google yeah i think he's gotta be at like around 42 like, he's gotta
1: yeah. be he's gotta be
0: oh is but- he a canadian youtuber
1: Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's kind of like one of those whereby it's kind of oh, don't look at me. I'm shy. I'm not. Shy. Why has everybody stopped looking at me? So he like he he brings it up so often just to say to that nobody's be, ever going to be allowed to see it.
0: Used to be boy. <laughs>
1: that's exactly the noise in the face that i made as well when i heard about it
0: <laughs> yeah but you know what the funny thing is that's the same face that people say to me when i say I used to be boy because they're just like i'm like what like what i don't look the part <laughs> I'm like, no but you're like, a snappy I dresser
1: like... as well though <laughs> so that counts a lot
0: <laughs> um that's crazy That's crazy yeah
1: Maybe he just wasn't... Maybe, yeah, I mean, who's that ever going to prove it? I mean, I could say that I used to be a B-boy. I mean, let's let's start that lie. <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to care because nobody knows who I am. And maybe after this interview, though, you're going to propel me into infinite stardom. And then you can say you were here at the beginning when I'm rich and famous.
0: You know, I would say you used to, Anyone could say they used to be a B-boy because it's like, like, all you'd have to say is, well, you know, like, well, do a few moves. And I'm like, no. There's no way I'm throwing down for just
1: anybody. <laughs> I don't know if this was specific to Toronto or, or just the people that, that were in your crew, but it looked like there was a lot of groundwork, less of the sort of flaring, windmilling. It was very intricate floor leg work. I mean, a lot of it looked like you needed killer core strength. Like, you must have had the best six-pack you've ever had in your life at that point.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah, bro. Like, I had your immaculate six-pack. man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna deny that,
1: bro. <laughs> Was it one of those where you got to six then all of a sudden two more appeared and you were like, to be fair, that does make a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> um beware culture, man. We're not we're not shy people, man, like like we that's a difference between like the art culture, like the comic culture, yeah. and the b culture. Is like I think when you become an artist, there's like a lot of insecurity. But with b-boying is like we tape ourselves with a camera, yeah. do our throwdowns, and then we look at ourselves, and we're just like, "Yeah, kill that shit." Like it's not we're not, <laughs> oh, man. I wish I was a little bit better and this and that, or like you know, mm. like we're not constantly criti- Like we're criticizing ourselves. But we're like, for the most part, it's a lot of confidence, okay. a lot of like, yo, kill that. But it's also a lot of like, yo, that that shit was whack, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the difference I would say in the b-boy, like the b-boy art culture, and like in the comic art culture, is that mm. comic art culture for the most part, a lot of times we're second guessing ourselves, we're kind of insecure, we're always looking at our art, making sure like, you know, like, how are people gonna like look at this and this and that. The people culture is like, I don't care, man. I look good. You know, like you look at yourself and you're like, yeah, I look sick. You know I mean? <laughs> you're saying like I had an immaculate six-pack. It's like, yeah, like, you know, we've... <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, look at me. <laughs>
1: <I type> <laughs> You've been waiting for somebody to ask you that. How many podcasts have you done now? About 10? 10? It must be about 10. 10 or yeah, more. First, You've just been first- waiting for that question.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. This our first in-depth uh Look at um, how B boys are, confidence levels to the max. And it's pretty funny.
1: With um, with that, with obviously, it's a part of the sort of like the hip hop culture as as well. I'm always amazed how delicately entwined hip hop is with comics and comics in hip hop. I mean, the amount of name checks that you'll get with like spider-man references or captain america or punisher references i don't know if you ever heard ghostface killers 12 reasons to die 2 it's basically like this dark noir concept album where he's telling the the story of a central character called tony stark
0: yeah i mean it's crazy to see the parallels man like hip-hop has always embraced comic culture for Mm. sure Insanely embraced it. I, I wonder what came first. Like, that's what I was wondering. Like, I, I should start looking back into that. Like, like, what came first in terms of like crew names, you know, like the nicknames. I'm sure, yeah, I guess, comic culture, because like it started from like way yeah. before hip hop was born, right? But it's such a crazy parallel. I guess like hip hop was super influenced by comics. I wonder if that's what started the whole nickname genre, right? Like, because in music, a lot of, for the most part, that's what it's known for, right? Like, I got to get, like, an AKA. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Break changed it all, and then now everybody has normal, like, um, sounding names and shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I think after like the raft of ASAPS, so I think that's for the better. To be honest with you, like just changing like S's for dollar signs and stuff—that's not thinking outside the box. That's just a misspelt text.
0: <laughs> I would have been cool if you like had like my first name as like because our our crew was DDT, and it'd be like DDT Mike Deadly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like that'd be cool. I thought that whole ASAP thing was really cool. Like the.
1: It's just Maybe the, the first one, Rocky, and then I realized there was about five or six of them. So I'm guessing was ASAP like the crew or something, like they, they like, then group. you were just so
0: just like, I'm so all that culture, man, is like, you birth so much so much stuff creatively, even to the, the forms of names, right? Like, who would have yeah, thought, yeah, like, yeah. we're going to create a crew and everyone's going to be, you're not going to get, like, Spice Girl whatever spice this baby super. spice is that, is that sporty, sporty spice <laughs> oh, man funny. is that where like the whole ASAP idea came from <laughs> <laughs> holy shit <laughs> <That's a fun laughs> I <hope> not man
1: <laughs> <laughs> although to be fair I'd like some of that Victoria Beckham money she was really clever actually because um, the way that uh, the songwriting uh, what they call royalties get paid you get the performers royalty and you get the songwriting royalty so she realised very quickly that she she has more number one songs than any other artist in this country because, like on songwriting, because she'd just change a few of the words and then she'd have to get some of the songwriting... Um, uh royalties and because she just changed some of the words she wouldn't have written any of the like the backing track it probably would have been only the things that she said but yeah like Victoria Beckham is the most prolific songwriter in Britain if if you go by the strict rules. But that's what's made her rich. Oh well that and David Beckham.
0: <laughs> super smart man.
1: I'm yeah,
0: still that ASAP Rocky must have been or not or that whole ASAP mob. I'm bewildered that that could have been an idea for, from the Spice Girls. Holy crap.
1: It's some disproportionately marvel as well, isn't it? Uh, like uh, the that's name-checked in in hip hop and in rap as well. Like I can't remember and
0: like the cool shit. Like that's yeah. like that's always. I guess I don't know if you can agree with me but it's always kind of looked at as like the cool ones. <laughs> I've got
1: an idea. Let me run this past you. I think it's because Marvel, and this is largely down to Stan Lee, the way he created the characters, even if he wasn't as responsible as writing page to page as we may have believed, that he always gave them a flaw. So he's a superhero, but he's blind. He's a superhero, but he's a kid. He's a superhero, but he's an alcoholic. He's a superhero, but he can't control his rage. He, like, Do you know what I mean? Like, There's always a overcoming the odds element to it whereas Superman he's just a fucking brute Wonder Woman she's just a fucking brute Batman okay Batman could be Marvel but he whines a lot so let's not have him <laughs> Although, <Yeah. laughs> but and I think it's because the DC ones are sort of like almost omnipotently powerful very classic superhero uh, them whereas Marvel there's always something to overcome and I think I think with, like, the roots of, like, hip-hop as well, like, in the music, like, culturally, I think there's a there's a lot more reflective in wanting somebody to succeed against the odds, and I think that's what Marvel does a lot more precisely than DC did, certainly in the beginning.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, that definitely... I never thought about it that way. I just kind of looked at the image of it all, because like, it just looked cool, man, and, like, the colours look cool, the costumes look cool, Mm-hmm. Well, like they didn't look like they're wearing like I'm gonna get destroyed for this, but they didn't look like they're wearing like you know like <laughs>
1: yeah yeah yeah.
0: Like Spider Man looked cool. but Like I've heard people say like I just like the way Marvel looked. The DC, the DC characters look kind of lame. And I was like <laughs> like there's nothing to it, right? They look very old school as well. You know, like something mm. maybe a child of the '80s for me, like um i gravitate more towards that look like, the you know, the creators are mm-hmm. also sort of like more character- marvel than they were in dp like you had all those guys from marvel spinning off to do image and that was like the bad boys of comics without that element oh yeah like if you're talking 90s for sure because then you got the x-men right mm-hmm. like like the 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 90s x-men and that they look freaking cool. like they look cooler than the the og guys like the avengers yeah, and yeah, the yeah. iron man like to, to me i was like these guys look awesome look at wolverine he's got like these three blades coming out of his hands it's like how cool is that compared to like anything else you know and so i like my childhood is the Men. like and that's just from that is from default because my dad like you know he when he took us to the comic store we were only allowed to choose one comic so my brother i think was by at the time was buying like Spider-Man, and then I was just collecting X-Men comics, anything I could find, like X-Men, X-Fact, or whatever. But it was one comic a week versus, like, my friend beside me is, like, having a stack, right? Well,
1: yeah.
0: If, yeah, if I had to choose, that's what I gravitate towards, was, like, I'm gonna just grab X-Men stuff, because all the characters look cool. The villains, to me, my theory is, like, they just look cooler. I mean, X-Men, for sure. I think hip-hop has, like, really taken taken in the X-Men. You know, with the Wu-Tang Clan, like, taking in, like, basically the Avengers. Like, I think X-Men is a big, big deal for a lot of, like, hip-hop artists.
1: Here's um, another little factoid that I came across this week or last week. The Incredible Hulk 181. If you look at the cover of it, I think, was it John Romita Jr. that would have would have drawn that cover? If you look at it, the claws are actually a part of his gloves, and they're not actually his actual claws. They're like kind of like Freddy Krueger gloves. And it wasn't until uh, I don't know, maybe issue four or five of the very first Wolverine. Um, I think there was a limited series, wasn't there? Maybe four issues, a lot like how Punisher started, that the decision was made to actually put them internal as a part of his mutation.
0: That's cool, man. Like that's, love that. That's, that's a cool story. Like-
1: Could you just say it a little bit more enthusiastically so I can sound like dead good on the podcast? <laughs> like, that was amazing! <laughs> yeah. so. Okay, well, we'll move on. Obviously, I've bored you after sleep with that one, but I'll know better for I'll, I'll double check them next time. I'll do it to a, uh, a council of my peers, and then they can they can give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down on on. Uh... <laughs> when
0: I say that's cool, it, it it's uh, it, it really means that's amazing. I'm just that's all right,
1: Mike. Stop digging. Tim know. likes my facts, don't you, Tim? Tim.
0: <laughs> well, Tim,
1: you've not been lying to me this whole time, have you, baby? <laughs> <laughs> it happens to a lot of men. I love those
0: uniforms, man. But like, all like my like my nephews like they just, just shoot it down Drew. they're watching the, the 90s animated series and they're just yeah, tapping, yeah. and I'm like what's what's so funny and I'm like they kind of point it out and I'm just like oh man you're ruining all yeah, my childhood really tree. Tree. <laughs> <laughs> like why is he in his underwear I'm just like oh yeah you're right cool. <laughs>
1: Gambit still looks like Mr. Smooth though he still looks Mr. Smooth I think you can't knock that Gambit outfit.
0: I still love the costumes it's just gonna be me forever Wait, that Jean Grey costume, man. Classic, bro. Like I don't know, that it is looks awesome, man. I, think I, could, I think I could. I think that's timeless. Would you say? Hopefully, oh, oh, I'm just, just a sucker for like where I started as a child. So like Jim Lee era kind of thing. <laughs> it's funny talking about this. to bring me back to like being a kid again and stuff. <laughs> oh man, you could like. You can make things explode, like you <laughs> can charge anything and make things explode, it's like, oh, cool, oh man, you so good with those cars. <laughs> but Archangel was like my favourite X ex- character, yeah. he just looked cool, man, like I really love that costume. The last time I read of Archangel was uh, Uncanny X-Force, with uh, Remender's Uncanny X-Force, right?
1: How excited were you when you um, heard that Marvel were doing hip-hop variant covers?
0: Axel's a hip-hop hit, so... It's a blessing to have editor in chief as like a straight up hip hop head, not just not on the surface level, man. Like that dude was like, listen to the clips and like, you know, like you can have a conversation with him yeah, about yeah. anything, you know. So he he was in it, and yeah, that was amazing. Getting you know, getting an email saying, "Hey, Mike, we're doing like we're doing these hip hop variant covers. Uh, we'd want to know if you'd want to do like the Midnight Marauders version for Spider Man." And it's just like what like is this is this like like a prank call or like a scam or something like that crazy like i was insanely excited yeah like that was great i even hit up axel and i was just like dude like that Mm -hmm. is my quintessential like childhood album like i have stories Mm -hmm. of that album like trying to figure out how i'm going to get my mom to buy that album because for some reason that album had a parental advisory sticker on it, which I don't know why it would. You know what I mean? So, you know, I ripped that sticker off and, like, you know, my mom <laughs> yeah. hoped that she would, she would buy it for me, right? Um, So I was telling him all that stuff, and I was like, this is crazy. How did you even know, like, I was into Tribe? And I was excited. So I, I jumped on that right away, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was a list of cool stuff. They're like, yeah, here's another li- Here's a list of 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 all the other um of all the other things we're doing. So if you want to take your pick. And I was like, holy shit. There's like Wu Tang there. There's like there's Drake. And I was like, all right, well, fuck man, I love Wu Tang, man. Like, that's my childhood. Drake is like fucking awesome too. He's Toronto. So I mm-hmm. got, you know represent Toronto. I'm like, I'm going with Wu Tang. <laughs> <laughs> How did they
1: come up with the pairings? Because they all work so well.
0: I don't know, man. I I don't know how they came up with, but like sometimes that stuff just fits. Like some Mm. like you said, man, like hip hop and Yeah, 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 are so parallel to one another, it probably just had a good fit. The Midnight Marauders one was like that fit like perfect. Right. Like I don't know how they came up with that, but when you look at the Midnight Marauders cover, the silhouette at the front, the girl it she's in the spider-man pose but right side up right mm-hmm. so all you'd have to do is turn her upside down and she'd be like hanging hanging down on a web just like spider-man so i was like this is perfect mm-hmm. like it just worked perfect man so that like we already knew what we were going to do with these covers that was another good thing about um doing these uh hip-hop covers is didn't really have to think much like we were just kind of doing homages
1: yeah,
0: yeah. designs that were already created so when you don't have to think, it's it's good, too. You just have to draw
1: The little Ant-Man one on um, Ready to Die, the B.I.G. cover.
0: Oh, the Mark Brooks, that's a Mark Brooks cover. <laughs>
1: and Doctor Strange, the Mystic, <laughs> instead of the Chronic.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. There are oh, so many covers out there, I'm like, shit, man. Because I I, hit, I remember hitting up Axel, I was like, can I do some more? And he's like, he's like, stop being greedy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, we've given you, like, four already. So just like, yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: Oh dude, the Wolverine DMX one. Sick!
0: Yeah. The so in keeping
1: with the character as well.
0: Of course that was like one of my favorites. The the NWA homage with Adam Adam Hughes yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah. Um I love the Dave Johnson one with um Eric B and Rakim's. The Miles one, that is awesome. Yeah, that one's done well. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, Addie yeah, that's yeah. Addie Greenhouse. Yeah, there's so many, man. Like that's that's something that like I'm like, I don't think that's gonna happen again. Like that's no. just the timing of it was was good, and I'm just glad I was part of it. Like I like, I'm s- insanely blessed and grateful that that happened during the time that I was at Marvel. You know what I mean? And I was able to, at the same time, also do like my favorite albums. Crazy. Man.
1: Guess who, baby? Yeah, it's post production, Matt. Once again, we're becoming friends. I think this is, what, our second date of the episode. But this one went on for a good old three hours of sweet, sweet Mike Dolmundo time. So what we thought was we're going to split this one up into two parts. And what you've just heard, fantastically so, even if I don't mind saying time myself, is part one. So in a few days, part two will be uploaded. Please come back and join us. Follow, subscribe, like, share. We need you to tell your friends about the podcast. But most importantly, we want you to enjoy it. So give us a five-star rating because I can only assume you have done. So that only leaves me one thing to say. We have been, and this is, the end.